0: have you ever considered freelance writing and editing if so you might want to check it out join us on this episode of the teachers who quit podcast i'm chatting with one of the best episodes of the teachers who quit podcast so far season three this guest had the most listened to episode and it is my true friend in real life Kamaria Swan. She is a successful managing editor and freelance writer. And we talked about in season three, our experience of working together um, early in our teaching career. And I said, hey, I'm gonna have to bring you back on for part two because we didn't even get into what you're doing now and what you did when you transitioned from teaching because we were reliving our wonderful experiences teaching together. But anywho, she is, like I said, a successful managing editor and freelance writer. So on this episode Kamaria is going to share her experiences or Miss Swan, as I like to call her, is going to share her experiences and insights on how she leveraged her teaching skills to excel in the world of writing and editing. So from time management and organization to engaging with clients and building up a strong portfolio, Kamaria is going to offer valuable tips and advice for teachers like yourself or former teachers looking to make a similar transition don't miss this engaging discussion on the potential for success in the world of freelance writing and editing kamaria is currently living in the dmv and she received her bachelor's of arts in english literature from howard university she taught literature to a diverse array of students and trained teachers on new technologies and best practices Often nicknamed the Black Business Super Supporter, Kamaria is interested not only in diversity and inclusion, but also in issues of entrepreneurship, parenting, holistic health, and all things food. She is currently pursuing her Master's of Arts degree in writing from Johns Hopkins University, while freelance writing for education and lifestyle publications and working on her debut middle-grade novel, I'm so excited for this episode and I want to flag something for you. Kamaria is a fabulous mother and you will hear some guest appearances in the background, but that is life. And these podcast episodes are all about having candid conversations. So please extend grace and understand that the audio here is not going to be perfect, but even in some of the audio is going to be a very Powerful message for you. So enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Teachers Who Quit podcast, the number one podcast for teachers who quit or really want to. And I'm your host, Tierney, your ex teacher bestie. Enjoy the show, Miss Juan. So excited to have you back on the podcast. I will tell you last season your episode was the most listened to episode i actually had another person who i know in real life send me a text message after that episode dropped and was like this episode is giving me life and like it really caused her to think about what she wants to do next because that episode was all about um moving on as soon as you see like the first sign of red flags and that's kind of what i titled that episode. So I'm really glad that your story and our little experiences of struggling <laughs> allow for someone else to kind of be encouraged. But anywho, glad to have you back on this um, podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. Thank you. How are you?
0: I am doing all right. Very busy. Um, I am doing a lot of recording today, but I'm really excited. So anywho, I want to kind of pick up where we left off. So we left off where we chronicled all the journeys of what it was like, partnering together, our experiences. But then you specifically shared about kind of when we went our separate ways, as far as like leaving the school where we were working together for our first three years, um, you talked a little bit about, um, What that experience was like even after you left and kind of like you saw continue to see kind of the same patterns and things like that. And so that took us a long time to work through all of that journey. So now share a little bit about what it is that you are currently doing.
1: Okay, so currently I'm the managing editor for a small nonprofit Um. The nonprofit is actually based in the South in um, Mississippi, Um, but I work virtually for them. So um, it doesn't really matter where I am. But yeah, I'm the managing editor for their blog. I manage their writers. They have freelance writers. They have um, regular contributors. So I manage all of those writers and make sure that they're contributing content and make sure that their content is um, just well-written and post it to the blog regularly. And then also because in 2022, 2023, it's important to have a side hustle. So I, <laughs> I have a second job, it's super part-time though. Um, and then for that, I just edit uh, academic courses for a small company. Um, they make online courses for students and I kind of copy edit their work, make sure it's readable for the everyday student.
0: That's really cool. I've always talked about that because you you mentioned having a side hustle. I honestly call my side hustle my main hustle. And then my main nine to five, I call that my side hustle because it's all about mindset shifting over here and (laughs) just kind of how I want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have been thinking about kind of how I want to structure things for the upcoming year. And one thing that I am beyond ready to like never have to do again is like do copywriting and like to, I don't like it. And and it's kind of funny and crazy because when I started posting things online, that was literally back in 2015. um, So shortly after we even started our journeys in education and um, I started a blog, okay? I started a blog and I mean, I love writing on that blog. I've had a couple of blogs, actually, um, over my past time dibbling and dabbling. Um, and I used to love writing, like, so much. And then it, I guess, because I discovered video, I was like, ooh, this is really what I like the most. Just hit record and say what you need to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't like to do that so I, I think that's really cool that that's like a strength of yours and something that you really enjoy and that you're good at because it pains me like writing sales pages and they're always talking about the copy the copy the copy of your sales pages I'm like, oh my god if i don't if i can never put together another sales page in my life i'll be so happy so yeah <laughs> anywho i want to talk about though um You managing all these different contributors and writers for the nonprofit. So with you managing all these different stakeholders, like I can imagine that's kind of a lot of different things and a lot of different human beings to juggle and to work with. So, like, do you feel that any of the skills that you have developed and honed and has really become your expertise from your experience teaching and education have transferred over into helping you be successful with managing all these different stakeholders.
1: Yeah, I think actually that's what uh, was a strength of mine in the interview when I was able to give them examples of like how I have dealt with parents and
0: <laughs> yes,
1: yes, complicated parents or you know parents who just you know come at you with, you know, there are different type of ways of communication and you kind of have to respond, you know, professionally um, but also get the point across. And so I had to give a lot of those examples in my interview. And I think that that really was, (laughs) that showed them um, how good I would be at responding because that is a big part of the job. There are people, there are writers who feel entitled or They deserve a certain amount of pay that we're just not willing to give them. And, you know, they come to me with the attitude and I kind of have to respond to them um, professionally, but also get the point across that, you know, we just can't meet your needs at this
0: time. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Respectfully, we we just can't meet your needs. You're going to have to take your talents elsewhere. Um, I hear you on that. Boy. Mm Boy. When I think about that first school we worked at, Miss Swan, you know them parents. They tried me too many times. <laughs> I swear. Like, I reflect on those experiences to this day, and you know what? I became so excited to become a school leader and to um, be able to, like, go to bat for teachers. And I tell you, Miss Swan, even when I was a dean, when I did the AP thing, there were no problems like there were no parents that were coming and complaining so i never got to live my lifelong dream to be the greatest advocate for teachers on that end of the spectrum because i was ready just from all the trauma that i had to deal with from some of these chaotic parents that we have right but they love miss swan for anyone listening like the parents we had um at our first school they love miss swan I was the one who they always had a problem (laughs) with. Um, But anyways, so like how many different folks would you say you have to like manage in your um, job as far as like the writers and contributors? How big is the team? Mm, Okay, so
1: on the actual team, we have six people who are writing regularly who are actually employed. on the blog and write regularly for the blog but most of our writers are actually um freelance writers so random people, I get um I would say maybe 15 pitches per week from different people different freelance writers who want to write for our platform and they just basically pitch an article of what they think our audience would like and it's my job to either tell them okay, yes, we would like you to write something like this and we'll pay you this amount or no, we're not really interested at this time. So yeah, uh, I'm managing about 15 different people per week, 15 different new people per week, uh, pitching me just all kinds of material.
0: Okay, so if they they come across the nonprofit's blog or whatever opportunity they might be Hiring for at the moment. Um, they have to send you a pitch to yeah. you directly Do I what? They send you a pitch directly. Yes Yes, so you have to go through all of these pitches and green light or pass go Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, yes, yeah, so I have to read each person's pitch and decide whether or not it's good for the blog, whether our audience would be interested or not. Um, And also whether or not they're good enough of a, of a writer, honestly, they have to send example work, previously published work. I have to read through their previously published pieces and see, you know, if they're talented enough for, for us to work with them, basically.
0: So, in your inbox, generally, right, we're walking through a day in the life of a managing editor. In a week, how would how many pitches would you say come to your inbox?
1: I think I get at least fifteen pitches per week. Um Yeah, and it's actually expected to grow in the new year. We've been kind of slowing down as we're about to take a break at the end for the end of the year. Um, and they're expecting to grow to be even more pitches starting in January and February. So, yeah, at least... And it's just new? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a lot of... Wow. It definitely keeps me busy, and it's constantly new people, lots of names, lots of, you know, lots to remember.
0: <laughs> yes, and so with that and so many different folks coming in and out on a weekly basis. I am curious to what tools do you use to kind of manage all of these different writers? Well,
1: we use Asana. That's what the entire editorial team uses to organize um, which stories we've accepted and the due dates for each specific writer. Each writer has a different due date depending on when their pitch was accepted. Um, I also use a lot of Excel spreadsheets um, just to organize, you know, the pitches. Did I like the pitch or do I not like the pitch? The writer's experience. Does this writer have a lot of experience or not? And I use that to help me determine how much money I think the writer deserves to be paid because that's also part of my job, deciding how much they should be paid. Um, there's a range. We start from 25 cents per word to a dollar per word at most. And I have to determine how much experience this person has, how good their article might be and decide, you know, how much we're willing to pay this person based on all of that. So a lot of Excel spreadsheets. Um, and yeah, I think that's, those are the two tools I use most for interacting with the writers and keeping up with the contributors and the writers.
0: Okay, so I'm very familiar with Asana and, um, of course, Excel. I am a ClickUp fan, and I use ClickUp a lot. Um, just before we hopped on this call, I was going through ClickUp with Someone who I just brought on for the new year, two people. I have two social media managers Mm -hmm. and we use ClickUp to manage everything. So that is fresh on my brain at this current time. But um, I know that is very similar to Asana. And I will say that that really is a great tool to help you manage, especially remote teams for sure. I've even thought about what it would look like to use one of those project management platforms at a school-based setting or in a school-based role. I think that I, I really have not worked at any school um, that has used a tool like that, but I think it could be very, very valuable. Um, just a lot. It helps to eliminate a lot of the back-and-forth back communication. It helps to streamline everything. Folks know what to do, when to do. You can assign it. And I'm all about, I think that's why I love classroom management so much because I'm all about like structures and systems and um, routines and procedures. And so
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I, I really see that tool being very helpful and useful and I can see how it benefits you as well. So you said 25 cents to $1 per word. Yes. So I'm curious when folks pitch you, do any of them come? Because I'm also comparing this to like, When I might pitch a brand to work with them um, to make a TikTok video for them, Mm -hmm. Um, I have a lot of inbound folks coming to me, and I'm that's a the rate always gets negotiated because that's a negative note. So I'm curious because I know I will have the audacity. So do folks come to you when they pitch you and they're like, This is my rate? Yes, that has happened. (laughs) So, do you negotiate that, or how do you handle that because you have a budget?
1: We do negotiate. Um, i would I would say though that sometimes, though, when a person comes to us with a certain rate, we just can't uh, mm-hmm. we just can't <laughs> accept their rate sometimes, especially if they don't have the experience that we would pay that kind of money for. Um, Right. So, yeah, we are willing to negotiate. And I think that our company is actually really good about negotiating and paying people what they're worth. If you have really good past uh, previously published articles and you are super easy to work with like we're definitely going to go up on the price with you because we see your worth. We see your value. Um, but a lot of writers come to us new writers and they're like, I want to be paid this much. We don't even know them yet. Um, we don't have any experience with them <laughs> yet. We don't know if it's going to be an easy relationship or if you're, you know, it's going to take a lot to edit your work. So um, that's kind of like a red flag, I would say, when someone comes to us with a super high price and we have not we have established no relationship with you yet. Um, so that's kind of a red flag. But yeah, we are willing to negotiate, though, depending on your experience.
0: This is really great. This is going in a whole other direction that I didn't think because I just have so much genuine curiosity myself. Um, so I'm curious when... Um, Someone comes to you and there may be more established and they might have a portfolio of their work samples. And then they also have testimonials of other companies who have worked with them and have raved about them and how professional they are and how easygoing they are to work with. Um, I can imagine how that would position somebody to be able to receive a higher rate. I'm curious, what does it take to get $1 per word because i know some blog posts when when i when i've done my research it's important for blogs to rank right with that seo optimization seo is optimization but anyway um so when i think about that and like they have this track record of success where they get blog posts ranked on page one of google um and they literally, when you're writing a blog post from what I've seen, please do correct me, but blog posts that really rank successfully, I'm not seeing them ever being less than a thousand words. Mm-hmm. So that would technically mean we can maybe paid a thousand dollars per blog post submission. Is that happening? Um, It can happen if, Um,
1: I would say that our average uh, number of words I would say is between 500 and 700 most of the articles that our writers write are between 500 and 700 so if they're getting paid a dollar per word then they could be making up to 700 per article Um, but we have had longer pieces sometimes we do have longer pieces so it really depends Um, and yeah how we determine if someone, you know, is worth paying a dollar. Um, we consider a lot of things. Again, we like people who are really easy to work with. Um, we like people who it's not going to take a lot of editing on our part to go through their work. Some writers need a lot of editing. When we get their piece back, we have to, several editors have to go through <laughs> it to kind of fix it and make it work. So we like writers who don't need a lot of that. And then we also consider if you have a lot of followers, um if you already have a big following and then of course your previous work. So if you have like all of those things going for you, we're definitely we're definitely willing to pay that dollar.
0: Wait, so this is literally this is literally like the same thing. So I forgot that influencers and um content creators can literally pitch content that is written content because my brain is just so stuck on video because that's all I do really, right? And of course this podcast or whatever, but I'm always thinking about when I'm working with a brand, a company or organization or what have you, it's always like I'm producing a video content piece for them, but it's literally the same thing. They're just producing a written Mm -hmm. deliverable Mm -hmm. to you all. Um, Ooh. just be thinking about all the times that I have done negotiations with um different companies and and yesterday's price is not today's price that's all that I always say and so I'm just like either you gonna pay me what because here's the thing too because I really was triggered a little bit when you talked about the amount of followers right Mm -hmm. so for example The time that we're speaking right now, I have 40,000 followers on TikTok alone. And when I think about, even when I had 10,000 followers on TikTok, my rate was pretty high for the simple fact that you're not just paying for the fact that I am um, someone who has this this built-in audience who you can reach with your brand or your organization, but you're paying for the the degrees that I have, mm-hmm. that principal's license that I have, mm-hmm. you're paying for um, um, the position that I have held, which is not just one of a teacher, but one of a school leader. It's like all these different things that they're factoring into your, um, you're paying for the fact that I am very knowledgeable on what kind of content converts. And it's a lot of different things than like just follower count. And I think that a lot of organizations and brands don't always realize that. So I've had to do a lot of um how do I say this? A lot of education mm-hmm. to brands that I work with because I understand that sister Sally has over a hundred thousand followers over here, but she's a first year teacher. Mm-hmm. Okay. She, you know, all of these different factors are going into play. It's more than just like the size of the audience. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the value of my endorsement behind like your brand your company and your organization coming from the standpoint of authority that I have in the education industry with over 10 and a half years of experience, you know, hello. So I really think this is valuable because for someone listening to this right now, who might be... Um, Using their platform and education, they built up their following and they want to start pitching brands or pitching organizations to work with them, whether it's video, whether it's on a podcast, whether it's um, TikTok, YouTube, a tweet, a LinkedIn post, whatever it is that you're trying to pitch, like keep that in mind too, like you're hearing from Kamaria and what she's saying she's looking for when she receives a pitch and how she want to work with people who are easygoing, like you're hearing all that. But then you're also hearing on my side of things as well, knowing that a lot of the times I'm pitching brands and how like it's it's really critical that you know what you're worth because I have seen some teachers get paid like (laughs) so low because they're not willing to negotiate or they're not willing to hire on a call and be able to communicate and articulate their value in a certain way so anyways I went on that tangent but I, I just think that's really really valuable for people to understand yeah um okay so anyways so how long did it take for you to make the transition from leaving the teaching profession behind to becoming a managing editor and with that I'm curious with managing editor that position that you are gunning for and that you knew you wanted it was just looking for the right opportunity or what so um one is timeline that it took you to secure this particular role and then was this your ultimate goal in the in the -hmm. from the jump (laughs)
1: so it took me 14 months to finally find a full-time role um And that was much longer than I was anticipating. I did not think it would take me that long. Um, So, yeah, 14 long months. And um, was this the role that I was originally gunning for? I don't think so. I think that when I started out, I was thinking I would be more of a writer. Um, But I think that along the journey, along my transition, I really found out more things about myself and I think that actually becoming a managing editor is editor is better for me than what I thought I wanted um so yeah even though it was a long process I think I I really got to know myself better and figure out what really will work best for me
0: okay okay so 14 months, how did you stay encouraged? Because I know that there is someone listening to this right now who have been applying and, applying and applying and applying and applying and just have not secured that position. What did you do during those 14 months to stay encouraged?
1: Yeah, I took a lot of contract work, a lot of freelance work, a lot of temporary work, A lot of super part-time work um not only to keep some sort of money coming in at the time but also to build up my portfolio so that i could become more attractive to um the ideal company the ideal organization um and so at the time it was stressful sometimes because i was constantly in and out of different positions, nothing was really full time. Nothing was really permanent, um, and it could it be, could become stressful. But I think that in the end, it really helped me, um, again, build up my portfolio, and it helped my current employer see, you know, what I was capable of, capable of all the different types of things and all the different types of editing and writing that I was capable of doing.
0: Of that, um, so in other words, while you were waiting for the position that you wanted to receive, you were still remaining active and getting creative on what you could do to continue to position yourself for the ideal role you were looking for. I think that's really really powerful um because i think sometimes in our brains we can limit ourselves like this is the only thing that i want and if it looks any other any other you know way that's different then we may um not entertain other opportunities that might work for us even like you were saying on a temporary basis um and be that great portfolio and artifact for where we're trying to go so i think that that is valuable for those who are listening So in addition to that, I want to know what are some platforms that you used in order to um, search for the ultimate role that you have now?
1: Definitely LinkedIn was the number one place that I looked. Um, I don't know why. LinkedIn just works for me. I know a lot of people like other platforms better, um, but LinkedIn kind of works for me. Um, I just feel like I'm able to find opportunities that really match with what I'm looking for better on LinkedIn. Um, I also used a few, I also tried a few of those like contract work sites. Um, what are the names? I can't remember the names of them, but there's like the sites that like only, um, are for just workers who are looking for contract work, temporary work. Um, I can't remember the exact names of those, but I tried a few of those. Um, And then Indeed a little bit too, but definitely LinkedIn was my number one source for finding all the different types of work I did, even the temporary jobs to now my current full-time job. I think all of them I found on LinkedIn.
0: Okay. Wow. Um, LinkedIn is great. And that's awesome that you have experienced success with it. I will say how you kind of speak to LinkedIn, my number one winner has been Indeed. Indeed has always come through for me. I don't know why, um, but all the opportunities that I have been interested in have always come from wonderfulindeed.com. Um,
1: yeah, I feel like most and people for- say that though. So I, I feel like most people do say Indeed is better.
0: Or, yeah, like they've experienced more success mm-hmm. there. Yeah. I think it's all in how you position it. I think your LinkedIn is, ve- is very well positioned and you're active on there. Yeah. Whereas for me, my LinkedIn for most of the time has been a ghost town. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like I have it and it's like that static page, but I'm not actively like connecting with folks and things like that. I really don't. Um So yeah, I think it's all in how you use the tool and leverage the platform for sure. So with that, I think um, another question that has come to my mind, because you spoke to earlier about um, how your opportunities as a teacher, specifically in some of the challenges that you have uh, faced, or not necessarily challenges that you have faced, but the unique personalities that you've dealt with uh, as it pertains to stakeholders specifically parents and families caretakers and how that has positioned you to be successful with managing all of the personalities and folks that you deal with who are pitching you to get some work um what other things or experiences from teaching um do you feel are skills that you have been able to easily transfer into this work as a managing editor that allowed you to be successful? Definitely the number one would be
1: multitasking. Mm. I was doing it all, all at the same time, (laughs) like too much all at the same time. Um, But I think that people who realize the value of teachers see that, like that we are great multitaskers. and so, yeah, I've been able to bring that into this position. Like, again, I'm constantly dealing with a tremendous amount of different personalities, different people all at the same time. Um, they're always in different stages of the process with us. Some people are just pitching just now, some people are drafting their articles, some people's article is due now. So, I'm constantly at different stages with different people. Um, and that's just the biggest part of my role. There are other things that I have to do, including I have to actually post to the blog. I have to um, manage the social media for the organization. Mm. Um, so I have a lot of things that I'm doing. I send out the biweekly newsletter. So there's a bunch of things Ooh. constantly on my mind.
0: <laughs> yes. yes.
1: <laughs> um, so I think just, multitasking as a teacher helped me just to be able to be able to do that in my current role and and prioritize okay what am I going to do first what am I going to focus on now and then what am I going to save for later and how can I do all of this um while keeping peace of mind
0: (laughs) yes okay definitely I hear you on that And so I'm curious, as um, you mentioned the tool Asana, and that helps you with project management and your communication with the different stakeholders that you have to interact with, Um, what are some other ways that you kind of manage your time and productivity um, as a managing editor? Is there any specific... um, methodologies or tools that you use that help you to stay productive and manage your time well?
1: Um, I'm a big planner, which I think also helped me in teaching. Um, <laughs> I mean, I plan everything, every part of my day, every minute of my day is planned. I've always been that way as a teacher is super important. And then I've just kind of brought that skill over here to here, like, um I know exactly what I'm doing first, exactly what's going next after this. I just have an entire schedule for each day, and that really helps. Even when things don't go exactly as planned, just having an outline of what I want to do really helps things to go as smoothly as possible, even if it's not exactly as planned. Um and then again, Asana is really good. I really found Asana helpful. I, haven't, I hadn't used it before this job, um, but it really kind of lays out my tasks um, in order of due date for me. Um, and I really appreciate that about Asana. And it helps me just kind of really go through quickly everything that's still on the to-do list, all the tasks that I still need to get done and kind of organize them by um, biggest priority to smallest priority.
0: Oh, I like that. Um, I learned something new about you. I didn't know you were um, that much of a planner. I really didn't. And you were like, I've always been that way. I was like, maybe I just wasn't observant when we were working together. You did. You did have stuff always like, you know, you were on your stuff. It wasn't like, when I left teaching too, I realized how many folks are not on their stuff. Let me just put it that way. Um, And I was just like, I thought every teacher was kind of like me, but, um, what I will say is like, I guess I didn't realize that so much about you because I think there's spectrums. Like, would you consider yourself to be type A? I'm
1: not sure. I don't, what is type A? Tell me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I had, like the type a personality and type b so you know how they like i guess stereotype type a folks is like playing to the t like there was a tiktok audio um that was going around like months and months ago might even been a year ago by now but it was like um i would love to go with the flow but what time does the flow start (laughs) like i'm that kind of person um and so I, I've always been like, yeah, I'm type A. Like, we not doing nothing. Fly by the seat of my pants. Everything is planned out. If it's not on the calendar, it ain't happening. Um, So I consider that to be type A. And then type B is like more chill and go with the flow. I'm def- I always thought you were chill and go
1: with the flow, Ms. Swan. <laughs> I'm not. I definitely had those <laughs> scripted lesson plans where everything I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm a big planner. Like I have I c I can't remember what I'm gonna do unless I have it written down and, you know, printed out in front of me. Like I can't. So yeah, I, I've always been that way. May I'm not sure why why that wasn't like I guess obvious or anything. I don't know. But definitely <laughs> I guess
0: because like I honestly I can't think I've never seen you teach. Like yeah. i have never gone, you know, we never were able to go into each other's classrooms and see us teach and stuff like that. So I guess um I don't know. I guess because I don't know. I just I always thought you I, I thought I was just always that like uptight like person and which I was like in every facet we know, but like I guess because I saw you always being just like calm, cool, and connected. I think that's an assumption, maybe that I made, and I was just like, Miss Swan, just chill, go with the flow on everything. So the fact that you said you scripted lessons, I was like, what? I never knew that. I really did never knew that. Because I I would not. Um, So Miss Swan, you're Type A. So I think there's levels to Type A, and I think Type A this this is this is good for folks to know. You can be more Type A like me, like. As far as, like, just being super, I'm not going with the flow ever. Like, <laughs> it's not happening. I think that has had to happen. I think, like, God has made, like, times in my life where I've had to go with the flow, and that's okay. But I always rather have a plan. I rather have a plan than not know. And so I think that's cool to know that you are the same way. It just may be, like, packaged and positioned different. Because honestly, if you meet me and Miss Swan, and I call her Miss Swan because that's what I would call her at school. <laughs> so um, if you were to meet us, you would clearly see like a difference. But again, like we talked about in the last episode, we were definitely complimentary to each other. Is that how you would yeah. say it? where it just flowed nicely. So I guess because I was like, dang, Miss Swan has like all the qualities and traits that I do not have. I just was like, what type A? That kind of shocked me, but that's really cool. So I'm curious because I use a planner. I don't really use a planner, Miss Swan, to be honest with you. Like I use a um, thing that's called a top three. So I write down my top three for Mm -hmm. each day. And that's really what I do. Like I even purchased this planner for like $50 for 2023. Mm -hmm. And it is so cute. I thought I had it nearby, I don't. But it's like soft blue and it says 2023 in gold on it. And I'm like, yes, I saw this video of this girl using it who created it and I was just like, this is perfect. Like I'm so excited, I'm gonna be using Mm -hmm. this. And i was like okay sit down and open up this planner and start planning your year and i just could not do it i guess maybe because i'm more of a um i don't know i just can't sit down and plan like stuff like that because it i do it i guess it's because like you know there's certain (laughs) i don't know there's certain skills where folks have to like a, B, C, D, and then there's others that just like comes mm-hmm. to you. Like for me planning, I do that because it helps me to stay on track of things and it helps me to stay organized and it helps me to manage my time well, but I already innately mm-hmm. do that. So it's like planning, mm-hmm. sitting down and using a planner to do that. I don't need to do that because I'm already on track. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. And maybe it's because I haven't found a planner that is best for mm-hmm. me. Um, but I really don't do that. I really don't. I find that interesting. So are you a digital planner or do you have a particular like actual physical planner that you use? And if so, what kind I of? I have
1: a physical planner. I'm obsessed with the happy planner. Have you heard of it? No. <laughs> it's, it's super expensive, I think. But <laughs> it's like <laughs> you can insert and take out pages like you want to. It It's like a completely customizable planner kind of They Have like a million different layouts for all the different types of people there are different types of planners um
0: Uh and then
1: you can like insert different types of sections a financial budget tracker if you want to or even like a spiritual religious you know notebook type of thing if you want to or a teacher you know planner section if you want to they have all these different types of things you can add in take out and I'm just obsessed with it I buy a new one every year
0: (laughs) Wow! yeah and they
1: have you know the stickers and all this extra fancy stuff you can use to you know while you're planning your week out on Sunday nights you know put the stickers (laughs) in and you use all these colorful markers I'm that person every Sunday night it's like therapy to me to like plan out my
0: wow <laughs>
1: in this like you know super cute but also really helpful for me in productive way so yeah i'm a happy planner
0: <laughs> okay i might even check that one out maybe that's that's what i need but i promise you this is gonna sit on my shelf um but i do live by a good google calendar now I think I use Google Calendar heavily because like I have meetings like podcast recording or I need to go live or you need to um, send out your weekly email or you need to schedule your launch sequence that's coming up for your coaching program. Like all those different things that I need that I have to plan out for like the business side. Yeah, I I do use a good planner. But again, I only use like a digital planner and it's truly Google Calendar. And then I also use um my, uh, what is that called? The top three notebook that I have. And that's literally it. So I'm gonna have to check out Happy Planner. I don't know if I can plan my life. I guess because my life is so chill and low key. Like, what do I do? Podcast and <laughs> run my online business and then watch youtube videos till so my eyes bleed like that's the, literally the totality of my life plus eat so because i'm not like miss swan miss swan is a proud mother of two <laughs> two beautiful children y'all um <sighs> i mean miss swan and she has a lot going on and i i really don't but um yeah I can- you have a lot Going on, you definitely. (laughs) I can see how your happy planner will benefit you because another thing that I wanted to talk about, speaking of you being a mom and then your managing editor and all of that going on, um, you said how this position lets you work remotely. So is that something you were really looking for a remote position to fit your lifestyle? Yes,
1: I think that also was a part of what took so long because I was really specific about what I was looking for. So I turned down a lot of things that were on site.
0: Um, yeah. And then
1: also some positions were remote, but the schedule was too strict or rigid for me because I have my kids home with me all the time right now. I'm, um, Thinking about homeschooling also, so what? (laughs) I can't really have a strict (laughs) schedule where I'm like constantly on video all the time, or like I have to be
0: this time
1: all the time. Like I just need more flexible. Um. So yeah, this job is not only flexible in location, but also flexible in hours. Like I can work super late at night after my kids are asleep, or I can work during their nap time. Of course. We have Yeah, meetings that I have to attend. But for the most part, I'm able to just structure my own schedule each day around whatever I'm doing with my kids. So that was really important to me. And I think that also was a reason why it took so long to find a matching opportunity.
0: Yes, I love that, though, because that's a really good message, folks who are listening to this. Um, I understand that you wanted to leave teaching or some of you have already left teaching and you're just trying to secure that next position. But let me tell you something, be very patient and be very willing to wait for the opportunity that is gonna be the best fit for you. Because I will tell you when I left teaching and, If you listen to the other seasons, there's three. I share a little bit even more about my story every single season. And I talk specifically about there was one role and one role only that I wanted when I was leaving teaching. And that was to become a dean of school culture. Anything else I did not want to do, I didn't care. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it does. I don't care how much it pay. I knew that there was one role that I would be happy doing, and that was a dean of school culture. And I was very picky about what I entertained. And to be honest with you, the school where I did become a dean of school culture, I was originally interviewing to become the dean of instruction. And then I saw they posted dean of culture and I was like, hold on, this is the dream job. I need to go over and go this way. So with that, I tell you, be very picky. It's And that's okay to do. And I think that's really encouraging. Yeah. So, with that, honestly, you know, this has been amazing because there's one last thing I want to ask you about before we close. And that would be I saw that you are writing a book, a novel.
1: Yes, I am. I'm writing a middle grade novel. So, kind of like um, for students. It, the age group that we taught, that age group, I think I was really inspired by them. I've always wanted to write, you know, I've always wanted to be an author, um, but it was kind of a, a dream that I kind of pushed aside. Um, and so, yeah, now I'm working on a novel for uh, the age group that we taught. I feel like they inspire me and I learned so much about what those what that age group is interested
0: in. So, yeah, I'm writing a novel, yes that is so awesome i love that i was like how did i overlook that when you submitted your bio to use i was like wait hold on we have got to talk about that so y'all please make sure y'all are connected to kamaria um so that you can definitely support this novel i know i'm gonna be getting it when it comes out that is so exciting and so awesome um and i'll be able to say like y'all i know someone i have a friend who wrote a novel like that's really really cool Um, I think if I wrote something, it would be like a (laughs) life memoir or something like that. But anyways, um, that's really awesome. All of Kamaria's links, ways to connect with her, are linked down below in the show notes. Kamaria, thank you again for being on this second episode of the Teachers Who Quit podcast. Really uh, so exciting to have you on. And if you want to come on any other time, please do. But until then, y'all, make sure that you, again, check out all of her socials linked below in the show notes. And I will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Teachers Who Quit podcast. Keep listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe and leave us a review to get a shout out on our socials. And remember to shamelessly choose you.